Oh, hey. Hi. I almost I almost clicked remove instead of admit. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, that's okay. All right. Should they welcome us? Yeah. <laughs> Said that roll that beautiful bean footage in my head. <laughs> Good job, Bush Baked Beans. All right. Oh my god. Okay. We're Cara and Jill, two trainers, owners of Push Fitness, and the hosts of this podcast. During training sessions with our clients, we often tell them to get comfortable being uncomfortable. And we're saying that right now to you too. Let's push ourselves. Let's push ourselves to see fitness differently. Let's push the envelope when it comes to self-love. Let's push a new narrative about women and weight. Let's push out harmful ideas about the body that are rooted in racism and patriarchy. Let's find a new definition of fitness that welcomes all people. You ready? I'm ready. Let's push push it. it. Hello and welcome to the Push Podcast. This is season one, episode seven. We're seven episodes in. Self high wow. five. Self high five. Virtual yes. high five. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. As an only child, I've given myself a lot of self high fives. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's sad. That's, I mean, maybe better self high fives and noogies and <laughs> crap like that. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, how has your day been so far? Pretty good. I, on Wednesdays, we usually film this, film it. We usually record this on Wednesdays. And those days I see clients from like 7 a.m. on. So like not a lot has happened in my day besides just clients after clients after clients, which is really fun. Um, But it feels kind of like a whirlwind coming into this. Yeah. But yesterday was a total shit show of a day. So <laughs> can, can just tell you, can just tell you right now. Um, yeah. So I, I'll just say that I don't love homeschooling, and neither does my son. And so everybody had a breakdown yesterday. We all, we all cried and yelled, and so that's that's how that happened. That is a very, very, very short version. Yes, that's that's what happened. We all cried and we yelled and homeschooling sucks. (laughs) Yeah, you are probably not alone in that sentiment. I can't, I cannot say enough how like much I, I just sympathize, I can't empathize, but sympathize with you and other parents who are having to go through this, like, I'm so glad that I don't have school age kids right now, because mm-hmm. I would be right where you're at. But, but, you know, the way things are going, like kindergarten is next year for Jack. Today's his birthday. He's five today. Yeah. And it, we very well may still be doing this um, come next fall. So we'll yeah. see. But yeah, I think I'd rather the five-year-old than the teenager. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, the teenager, 
who just, you know, like had, and I get it. Like we all have had some breakdowns, but you know, when you're not used to having as these big emotions, you don't know how to handle them as well. And so you sort of direct them at your mom. (laughs) Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's, here's the thing that, and I wouldn't have told you this yesterday because I was like way deep in my self-pity hole. But today I can say like the thing about homeschooling is also that like I've been able to communicate and see my sons a lot more regularly. Like I have a deeper relationship with my older son. Um, You know, he and I will like text back and forth kind of throughout the day, like silly gifts or things like that. And that's not something we've ever done before. And maybe that would have happened even if he was in school. But it, the fact that it happened now and we've been able to kind of have a closeness that is sort of a new development um, has been really nice. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that he felt vulnerable enough to, you know, scream at me, <laughs> it's probably a good thing. So... <laughs> Yeah. 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 The flip side of that is to never tell you how he feels, which is what I did with my parents. So. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or what you have to. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. They, they don't know. Well, they probably do know everything. They just didn't tell me that they knew. Let me feel clever for a second. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So what's going on in your life? Oh, let's see. (laughs) I saw my first client who's 10 months old at about 5 a.m. And. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they've been hanging out with the with the kids. Um so to so today's Jack's birthday like I said and he woke up and I was like happy birthday buddy and we were all everybody got up and we were sitting around in the living room and he goes, "Mom, did you invite anybody?" And I was like, "All the party." What? <laughs> Cuz there's no party. There's big plans. Okay, yes there is. You know what I'm going to do after this? I'm going to go to the store and I'm getting like cupcakes or a cake or something. And we're going to have a big old party for Jack when he gets here today. Oh, you're so sweet. He's got it. I we totally, got it covered. I totally failed. Well, I just, I just wasn't sure like what to do in the era of COVID. Like, do we have a party? Right. Do we have something outside? And so I don't know, like we, I I don't know what I was thinking, but anyway, so, cause I was on call last weekend, I attended a birth and then next weekend, Cara and I are going out of town. We're going to go to Bend mm-hmm. for a whole weekend by ourselves. Business so, trip. Yeah. So I was like, I don't really know when to do this thing. And maybe he won't even care as long as he gets presents. Well, apparently he cares and he has invited Oliver to this imaginary birthday party. <laughs> He invited Oliver and now we are hosting it. It's going to be a birthday party for two and but except we get cake too. You're so nice. Thank you for doing that. So yeah, that's, uh, I've just been hanging out and Finn's been running around doing his Finn thing. But yeah, it's just been a busy kid day. And uh, as soon as the husband gets home, I run out of there and hop on here for the podcast. And it's the best time of my day. Right. <laughs> Grab some coffee hang out. Yeah. So I'm super excited about this podcast, to be honest. Mm -hmm. I love this topic and I think it is so important and can be really talked about from so many different angles. 
Yes, today we are talking about how your body affects your belief in yourself. And this happens in a multitude of ways. We are very yeah. excited to share to share this topic with you because we know that mm -hmm. there are lots of people experiencing it and we have experienced it ourselves mm -hmm. and we are, yeah, let's dive in. Yeah. So like think about a time when your body was able to do something or not able to do something and it made you feel differently about the person you are. And one of the first times that I even realized that this was a thing was when I first got into fitness. So I got into fitness in basically the most roundabout way possible. I was in graduate school studying feminist anthropology. I was going to the gym so that I could stay awake in my classes because I worked full time and then I had this break and then I went to night school and I was like so tired all the time. So I started, I started getting into fitness and I actually ended up writing my thesis on body image in the fitness industry. And what I noticed as I started getting fit was that it really made me feel better about myself. Like not only could I stay awake in my classes, but I started having like, I started my self-esteem just improved. I was like, yeah, I can pick that up. I can move my own furniture. I can ask for the things that I need in a relationship. Like it just kind of snowballed. And it, I thought it was pretty amazing. But there's so many other aspects to this connection. And so I, we really want to unpack it. But have you ever felt that way? Like when you get strong, like we help people get stronger every day. And one of the reasons that we're so in love with our work is because we get to see this kind of transformation in people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely have <laughs> felt this way before. And <laughs> this brings about um, an interesting twist on this topic too, because you and I have said this before, and we've, we've adjusted as we do throughout the years. <laughs> but we used to say things like, Try not to uh, train for what your body will look like, for, but for what it can do. Appreciate it not for what it looks like, but for what it can do. <clears throat> well, what happens then when your body isn't doing the things that you want it to do or have done mm -hmm. in the past? Like, then, mm -hmm. then what do you take pride in, right? So mm -hmm. let's talk about that. Yeah, and this happens a lot during pregnancy and postpartum. It can happen with age and stuff. We can talk, we're going to unpack that a little bit more, but um, this especially happens in, in our line of work with our pregnant and postpartum clients. So, um, so say you were on a roll with your workouts and then your pregnancy, either because of fatigue or maybe a complication, and then you're not able to do the same things. Mm -hmm. Or maybe you work out through your entire pregnancy, but then postpartum have some issues and need to scale way back. And now you can't do the same things that you could do before. And you really identified with being able to deadlift 300 pounds or whatever. That was my thing, but whatever it is for you. And so <clears throat> how, like, so what does that do to your feelings about who you are as a person? Because you started to, to believe like, oh, you know, I have all this confidence and it is, it's sort of built upon the idea of what I can do. And then mm -hmm. if I can't do those things, am I still worthy of love and um, self-worth? Yeah. I remember <laughs> when uh, I've, my last two kids are really close together. For those who don't know, they're 16 months apart. 
And I remember being postpartum with my second and I finally got to the point where I was feeling really strong. And I think I had just PR'd on my deadlift. I'd pulled 275 and I was like, yeah, I'm chasing three. Yeah. And then I got pregnant. And so now (laughs) I was feeling pretty sorry for myself. Like I was like, I just started to feel good again. I was just starting to like get back into the swing of things again with work and, and all this stuff. And it really set me back and I was feeling pretty sorry for myself. That pregnancy happened to be the hardest physically on me, my last one. Um, and so I wasn't able to do a lot of the things that I could do for training, even during my first pregnancy with Jack. So yeah, I have definitely seen that in my own life Mm -hmm. with pregnancy and postpartum. Yeah. And so as we have sort of evolved as a company, you know, like we've, we studied the pelvic floor and stuff like that, that we, we started to talk a lot about sort of building your strength from the inside out in your body, Mm -hmm. right? So if you start Mm -hmm. with the inner core, because the inner core is this foundation of all of the rest of your body's movements, but it really translates to um, your belief in your body and your self-worth as well. That when you start from within and you start building out, a lot of things can change. So say like, most people, most, I'm going to say women or female identifying people because there's, there's so much pressure through our whole lives to look a certain way. And the diet and beauty industry and the fitness industry seems to be just intent on using shame to market their goods. And mm-hmm. so we're used to that. Like, like I'll love my body when I get to this point or my body's not worthy of love if I can't do this or look like that. Um, and so shifting to, I love my body can be very hard. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think sometimes when we think about, Oh, we're just going to love ourselves no matter what, that there's this fear that we're going to be lazy and slothful and all these things that mm-hmm. you never want to be called. Um, and, and really you know, you think about like, well, what if you love your body? So you give your body what it needs mm-hmm. instead, instead of, I love my body. So I'm just going to like give up. That's not, it, that's not really, that's not a thing really. Um, that could be part of it. Like sometimes your body really needs cake, <laughs> but, <laughs> but most of the time your body needs food that fuels it. So it feels good. You're, you know, and if you, you can come into those behaviors with a sense of self-love. And I think that that can be a lot more, um, long lasting and true than, um, than a lot of these shame tactics. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. And I I think that that fear, you've touched on the fear that people have, um, that I have experienced that I'm sure you've experienced that if I love my body the way it is right now, that means that, you know, I'm going to be or look a certain way that I don't want to be or look like. And that, that kind of unearths an even deeper question. What if that happened? And where did the fear come from for that to happen? Mm -hmm. Like what's, where, what's that fear all about? And I think that a lot of it is from the very, very saturated um, diet culture 
Mm-hmm. Like, we're either like, we're either thinking about food, thinking about what we can eat, thinking about what we can't eat, thinking about what our body is going to look like if we eliminate this one food. Like, just take stock of how often you think about that sort of stuff. And I think you'll be pretty surprised that it's most of the time. And I think mm-hmm. that's where that fear lies is within that. And so, like, speaking of fear, I think you know, we are, we're both, we're both in the fitness industry, but we're also trained doulas and you see a lot of fear tactics used in birth as well. Mm -hmm. Um, whether it be fear of the actual pain of birth or fear of, um, the doctors and nurses who might try to quote unquote, force you to have some kind of intervention that you don't want to have. Um, and ultimately kind of a fear of your body not doing what you want it to do. And mm-hmm. that part I really think is important to unpack because um, I have met so many people who have not felt good about their birth experiences um, because they felt like their body had failed them. And mm-hmm. I think that, Um, a lot of this comes back to our belief system about our bodies and whether or not we can love and accept ourselves, even when our bodies don't do the things we want them to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you and I have both experienced births that did not go the way that, that we wanted them to. Right. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I had, um, I had two C-sections. The first one, eh, like I just, the first one I think would have happened anyway. He was almost 11 pounds and he just wasn't coming. He wasn't dropping. Um, and at the time, maybe it helped me that I didn't have any friends who had had babies. (laughs) Not that I didn't have any friends. But I didn't have it. I did wrong pause. Wrong pause. I was like, was that it? <laughs> Maybe it helped me that I was alone, self high fiving myself. <laughs> Damn it, Jill! I lost my train of thought. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe it helped that I was not like immersed in that birth world because I didn't really have a lot of expectations at that time about whether this was a good or bad birth. I just was sort of doing the next best thing. But I'm not saying that I felt good about that experience entirely or that I really felt good about my body before or after that birth. That like that entire transition threw me for a loop. And that is because I put all of my self-worth into my body. I still Mm -hmm. had very ingrained beliefs that what I looked like was the most important thing about me and that I wasn't a good trainer if I didn't have a six pack and I was only supposed to gain a certain amount of pounds during my pregnancy and blah, 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 blah. So, (laughs) (laughs) yes. So, (laughs) so there's definitely a sense of kind of being let down by my body, but, um, it was almost harder with the second one because I had wanted it to be a V-back so bad. Mm -hmm. I was, I had decided I was going to do it this one way. And to tell you the truth, Oliver was the really, was the one who got to decide how that birth went. He was breech. 
for one reason or another, he was very comfortable sideways and that was just how he was going to be. He was not going to come out the way that I wanted him to. And so it was another humbling experience. Now, because I had a lot of support through that C-section, I had a lot more options. The C-section itself was a totally different experience. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yet again, it was me having to face the reality that I did not have control over what my body was going to be doing. And that was very hard for me. Um, and I think had I done more work on accepting my body in any shape or form or fitness level that it came to me in, I think I would have done better through that experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And with my birth experience, um, I had my oldest vaginally and I just kind of stuck out in my mind um, how, how intertwined the birth world and the fitness world can actually be because oh. I, I remember being at, um, at work and I was a trainer working at a big box gym, same gym as Cara. And I remember this uh, guy, of course it was a guy, sorry, guy, but you know, <laughs> comes by Smash and he's, the patriarchy. right right and he just made this assumption and I don't know why he thought it was any of his business to begin with but he was like well you're probably gonna have this baby naturally right and naturally it, most of the time when people use naturally they're referring to a spontaneous vaginal delivery um, and that's what I call it because um, using that term naturally can be really hurtful to some people um, who didn't have birth <laughs> the way that they mm -hmm. planned. So, but anyway, he made this assumption that I was going to have a, a spontaneous unmed unmedicated vaginal delivery because I was a, um, a trainer. And mm -hmm. that's so problematic in so many ways. But, you know, fast forward to, I decided mm -hmm. that with my middle that I wanted to have a home birth. So I hired a midwife. We were having prenatals at home. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, I'm built for this. I'm trained for it. I, you know, I can do this quote unquote naturally because I had a successful vaginal delivery before and that so did not happen. My water broke spontaneously at 26 weeks. I gave birth to Finn about um, a week and a half later. He spent three months in the NICU. We struggled with um, breastfeeding. I ended up exclusively pumping um, and eventually decided to stop doing that because it wasn't producing enough to make a difference for the hassle that it was. And so in all of those ways, those were the times that I felt like I failed. Like I'm, I'm supposed to be like this fitness guru who did all the right things during pregnancy and still all of this happened. I was a big failure. And that's part of the reason I felt that way was because of this belief about my body that I had curated over the years due to all of the influences of society and other people's expectations. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it's a bunch of crap. <laughs> right. Yeah. And thank you for sharing that. Cause you know, if, if those of you listening, if you've gone through anything like what Jill goes through, she's talking about it really seamlessly, but there's, there's a lot of trauma there that all of that experience. And so thank you for sharing it. Yes. And I will say thank you to my therapist for the last two years. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. So, so the getting sort of shaken and challenged about your beliefs in your body does not only happen during pregnancy and postpartum. You know, it can also happen just as we age. Mm-hmm. It can happen um, when we are injured. Um, I'm, I'm experiencing a little bit of that right now. I'm having to constantly remind myself that, um, I'm getting, I'm, for those of you who don't know, I have not the greatest knees and I am getting a double, hopefully partial knee replacement on November 4th. So my doctor said, basically, he doesn't know whether it'll be a partial or a full until he gets in there. But I'm going to be getting two new bionic knees, which I'm really excited about. But there's also a feeling of like, oh, you know, I what have I done in my life that beat myself up to this point and mm-hmm. I shouldn't have done that or, or my body is a bad body. I have, you know, I even say it, I have bad knees. And so, you know, <laughs> so it kind of... I have to remind myself that my body is still worthy of love and I can, I can appreciate it even through this injury and surgery and recovery that it's still it, that, you know, we say it all the time, but sometimes it's harder to live um, when you're going through something, but like the way that you look is the least important is the least interesting thing about you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but when a lot of us have grown up in a culture where we've been told that it's the most important thing or most interesting thing about us, it can be hard to let go. And our bodies are important, you know, like it, they, but you know, whatever religion you might be, you might think that your body is your temple or whatever, but we do live in these bodies. They are our original homes. Mm -hmm. And so they are important, but, um, they can, they can, when they don't function the way that we like, it can very much throw us for a loop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that we've talked about this before in previous podcasts too, but the way that we view our bodies and the way that um, that we view our successes and failures does have an impact on how our body reacts to that. Um, having a, a bunch of stress, having some low self-esteem issues, like those things come out in our bodies in various ways. One, one way that we've seen before is in pelvic floor function, like the way that mm-hmm the way that you're responding to stress and the way that you feel about your body and yourself can come out in, in pelvic floor dysfunctions or over-recruited pelvic floors. And, you know, so it's really important to, to train from the inside out to, to Mm -hmm. work on your mental health as much or as harder than your physical self is going to, is going to event, basically uh, work its way to the outside of your body, whatever that may look like, um, mm-hmm. whether it's the way it looks or the way it functions. Yeah. And here I'd like to kind of bring up that this is one of the reasons why um, representation, diversity, and inclusivity is so important in fitness spaces that because our bodies do 
influence so much of how we feel about ourselves. If someone doesn't see themselves or their bodies represented in certain spaces, that can affect their belief about themselves. Mm -hmm. If someone doesn't, isn't like, if there's not representation for that person to feel that they like not only belong, but that they should participate in certain activities and things like that, that can affect your belief in your body. Um, and then your belief in yourself. And so, um, that that is one of that's just yet again one of the reasons that it, we feel that it is so important to really unpack these issues because fitness is a place that they it's like one of these last places where diversity is even really talked about and it's really hard to get especially bigger companies to talk about this kind of stuff and yet it is even more important than in my opinion a lot of other places because of bodies. Yeah. Loving, loving your body, accepting your body is not a, um, an overnight process. It's not even a linear process. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know that there's a finish line for this process. It's something that, um, you consciously decide to work on each and every day, slowly dismantling the, uh, patriarchy and diet culture belief system that's been shoved in your faces for your entire lives. Um, so yeah, just call yourself on it and be okay with that and, and learn from it and, and move forward with loving your body from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So that's all that we have for you today. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the push podcast, make sure that you hit that subscribe button, give us a review. The more reviews and likes and subscriptions we get, the more visible that we are to more listeners so that we can reach more people just like you. Yep. Give yourself a self high five. Woo. Bye. <laughs>